Boom. This is the episode you have to listen to. Wow. When you talk about someone and their family getting dropped nothing but seven twos and turning it around, this is it. This is the epitome. This is the example. This is humble CEO Ben Rosan. You have to listen to this podcast on how he turned communism into a Lamborghini. Hey, what's going on, everyone? We got the man. I'm telling you, I'm so stoked about having humble CEO Ben on here. Like, I am like, I'm like shaking. I got chills down my back. Ben is one of my mentors. And man, I just love this guy to death. And to have him on here, like, I don't even know what type of introduction I could be doing. I mean, Ben has changed me, though. And I can tell you this. Humble CEO has changed me. He's broken me. And in such a way, he's actually excelled me. And where I am today compared to where I was three months ago, I'm a different human being. I have less, but I'm the richest human being there is because of, you know, just the mentorship I've been getting from, you know, humble CEO, man, Ben, we got Matt McKee, we got Corey McKinnon, all of these, but Ben, man, you got a special plate in my heart, man. So Ben, good to have you on, brother. Thanks, man. Good to see you, Mark. Good to be on the show, dude. No, thanks, man. I love the car in the back, man. Like, so let's talk a little about the Lambo, man. I love that. So I love what, you know, the thing about, let's just get right to this. What I love about you, Ben, is you don't need anyone's fucking permission to do anything. You just do it. I mean, you have a Lamborghini that actually has a sticker on it. I mean, who else would, like, you just do things, man. I mean, let's start with this. When did you have that epiphany saying, I don't need anyone's permission to do what I want? Yeah, I've always thought that way, honestly, Mark, because, you know, when we grow up as little kids, we've got these dreams and these visions for our lives. And then what happens at some point, we start conforming to other people's reality. So I've always knew I was different, always knew that I didn't need anybody's approval to do stuff. And, you know, there's moments in your life and in my life where I was trying to conform or trying to fit in or whatever. But the truth is, at some point, I just said, forget this. And I was in my early 20s. When I was like, I'm just going to do me. So I dropped out of school, dropped out of university. I stopped talking to people about what I was doing. And I just, I went to work, man. I just, I went to work on me. I went to work on my business. I started reading books. And I recognized like, if I'm unique, then let me be unique. So mm -hmm. it took a while to finally develop it. But today it's, it's very liberating to just be me. So yeah, I mean, drive a Lamborghini, ride motorcycles, do whatever I want to do. Sometimes I'll dress up, sometimes I'll dress down. The whole thing, man, is I, I, I created this whole image for myself, this identity of humble. I just, I know where I came from. I'm not trying to be bigger than my identity, but I'm also trying to live in my purpose. And the purpose is big. So I don't think we need to bolster or be fake or put ourselves on a pedestal, but put your purpose on a pedestal and really go after it. And mine is to really do massive things, impact a lot of people. And especially where I came from, from communism, it's to never live in oppression. I refuse yeah. to accept negativity, mediocrity, and oppression from anybody else. So yeah, man, I'm doing it for me, brother. I'm doing it because it fulfills my soul, you know? And then if other people get inspired, amazing. And then the people that don't get inspired, that's fine too. So I'm not here to impress people. I'm just here to impress upon them the importance of doing you and being focused on like following your journey, following your unique purpose in life. And for me, leaving a legacy of people who, you know, they fought oppression and they conquered it. And that to me is amazing when I see people doing that in my life. 
Ben, that is, that is amazing. You know, it, every time I have a conversation with you, my light bulb turns on. There's always some, some other gear that just kicks in. And, you know, and, and there's two things. Number one is I've realized up until the point that we connected and I, I, you know, and I had to invest in myself, I was living in communism. And it's an amazing country, but communism oppression in my own head. I had an amazing job. I had all this. But man, I was standing in line for a paycheck standing in line for this, standing in line to get people's permission. No, man, that's not the way to live, man. Um, so well, dude, thank the reason you. why the reason why you get inspired when we talk is because that's your own, that's your own uh, your potential inside of you. That's saying, let's go, Mark. Let's go, Mark. It happens to all of us. There's certain people out there when we hear somebody like a Grant Cardone or my mentor, Chris or Mark, you know, um, when we hear these people, we get excited and we're like, man, I, you know, it's not about me. It's about what that what kind of emotion or what kind of intention that brings out of you it says it says to yourself the conviction is like man i can do this my potential is bigger than what i'm doing today and that's why we get motivated by other people so if you get motivated it's not the person motivating it's your own internal belief system saying hey man i gotta do more than what i'm doing so that's what i love about you is you get excited because i get excited so when i see people my mentors i get excited the same way so it's just it, it, it leads to more and more you know, potential fulfilling action. And that's why it's powerful, dude. For sure. No, that's awesome. And you know, I have to admit something here is that, so Ben, I mean, you, you really connected with my partner, Zara, you made her cry and any other dude on the street that we're going to make my, 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 my spouse, my partner cry, guess what? I'm going to kick their ass. I want to come and give you a hug because it was a conversation that you had with her that she found her purpose. Mm. I mean, Man, it, like I just think about it right now, and I'm cheering up, man. Like that's that's the that's the power you have of people, man. And I, I, it just, yeah, man. I, I'm almost speechless, and I never am speechless. So, but yeah, that's this, that's the kind of stuff you do, and that's the kind of impact you have on, on people, Ben. So I really, in the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. But thank you, man. You, you know what it is, Mark? For me, dude, I think it's just when you become a light in the dark, other people look towards that light for hope, inspiration. Mm -hmm. The truth is that she's just finding herself, man. And she just needed somebody to speak some life into her, some positivity. So one of the reasons I stay positive is because you never know the impact you're going to have on another human being. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is make an effort. See, a lot of people think, hey, you know, this guy's positive. He's salesy. He's whatever. Listen, that's your own intentions and your own belief system speaking those words. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with what I do. If my actions offend you or they excite you, it all has to do with your belief system. So with, with Zara, it's just, she knows what she needs to do. And I don't need to pull anything out of people. They'll pull it out themselves. They just need a moment of vulnerability and a moment of clarity. And it starts with a positive attitude. It starts mm -hmm. with somebody saying, you can do this. And I think far too many people are speaking death every day when they should be speaking life. It doesn't take mm -hmm. that much more effort to speak life, mm -hmm. but it does take effort. And that's why I think people struggle with it. Wow, man. Um, ben, your story it's real, is... Mark. Dude, this is getting real shit. Like, it's no, not, man, I love it's it. Like, I, I, I love it, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it, it's just, it just, man, it just connects. And I'm really excited for those that are going to watch this and listen to this because this is like dropping fucking bombs on life, right? I mean, this is it. So let's talk, man. So, I mean, we've shared a lot. And I mean... I. I feel like you're, when I say it, I feel like you're my brother and my brother. Like I think we got so deep and we really understand each other, know each other. 
But I mean, people need to hear where this all came from. I mean, this, I, I, if you're okay with it, I'd love to hear, I love the viewers and the listeners to hear the story. I mean, the story about how you got to where you are, what your parents have done. You know, people can look at that Lamborghini and say, oh, he's just salesmanship or whatever. I mean, you talk about, and I'm throwing a lot at you, and you talk about the best thing you ever did for your parents. Like, I, this is what people need to hear. So, yeah, so it all starts back in communism, man. My folks were in communism, and uh, my, you know, they're, they're Christians. They're very faithful people. And uh, my dad and mom made a decision that they're not going to let communism rule them. Everybody else accepted the realities of communism, and my parents decided to not accept it. They lived in their own reality. So what happened was we were uh, five children at the time and uh, they had an opportunity to, uh, to basically run. And back then nobody was running communism. So you imagine what's going on right now with COVID and all this stuff. Take it, take it to the next degree. Imagine there's armed patrol everywhere. Imagine there's literally no food. There's no Netflix. There's no comforts. They shut the heat off at nine o'clock at night to preserve electricity and money for the government party. All these other elements that really make it an oppressive lifestyle. And your choice was accepted and become a communist or not accepted and decide to live in your own reality. So my parents decided to not accept it. And I remember my dad, he literally had, had that moment. You see, opportunity is skill plus chance. He had one chance, one night, where somebody said, we're leaving. We're taking the caravan of people and we're running for the border. And my dad turned around and said, we're in. And he walked over to his neighbor. And he had five children at the time. He can only carry two of them, and I was the oldest. So he had to leave two children behind. He told his neighbor, he said, I need you to watch my kids for the night. And that's it. And then he just bolted. He said, if I were to think about the consequences emotionally of what I was doing, I never would have left. Because you imagine being 27-year-old man or 28-year-old, and you've got five children with a pregnant wife, and now you've got to pick two kids to leave behind. And, and he did, he left two kids behind and he bolted with a small group of people for two and a half days, journeying, hiding in the day, running at nighttime, my sister drinking puddle water because they ran out of food on the road. And my mom had two children strapped to her arms like this to the point where she lost all feeling and got numbness in her arms. They were turning different shades of blue and purple because she was losing, she was just trying to hang on to her babies. And I'm running and luckily there's, this guy that was running with us was a younger guy and he said, I'll help you and your son. So he, at some point he threw me over his shoulders and, and I ran with him that way. And dude, we finally got to a, a refugee camp in Austria and it was like the greatest, it was like we, we arrived in paradise. Just being able to know that we're there and the reason why we had to go to Austria because it was the only country there at the time that wasn't deporting people back to their origin country. If we, if we would have got stuck, in Yugoslavia or Hungary, they would have sent you right back and it's either you're going to jail, you know, you're going to prison or you end up shot or, 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 you know, whatever. And when we got there, we were the only family that risked running with children because people didn't bring their kids because it was too great of a fear. So what happened is only the men would run and leave their wives and kids behind and hopefully they would get there, you know, get asylum and at some point try to bring people back. My dad had to have faith that at some point, you know, through God's grace, something somehow would help my brother and sister reunite with us. So he had to literally, you know, he made a calculated decision, had tons of faith, and he thought that if he got there, hopefully the Red Cross could step in at some point and help them reunite. And what happened was it wasn't until about seven, eight months later on March the 6th that my mom who was pregnant went to the hospital. She came home with a brand new baby girl 
And on that same day, my brother Dan and sister Simona finally came to the refugee camp. We were able to bring them over. And in the morning, my parents had three children in the camp. By the evening, they had six. So, dude, when you start life like that, that kind of conditioning, that kind of mindset, and that kind of faith, it's all about nurture. All about nurture. See, it doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what happened to you. If you nurture the right thoughts and you nurture this stuff in your mind, nothing can ever hold you back. We come to Canada, you know, my parents had a few more kids. I'm nine children. I'm the oldest of nine. I watch my parents work two, three jobs every night trying to put food on the table. And my dad got a job as an electrician and a janitor and everything you could think of, a painter. My mom did all kinds of jobs just to provide for nine children. We didn't have tons of stuff, but we always had enough. We always had enough food. And even when we'd go to school without a lunch, I remember my dad would show up, you know, at 12 o'clock during, during lunch hour. And my parents sent us to a private school that they couldn't afford, but they sent us to a private school and they worked janitorial jobs to keep us there. My dad would show up every once in a while at 12 o'clock when we didn't have lunch and bring us each a Whopper Junior. And that was like the greatest thing of all time was when dad would walk in with a bag of Whopper Juniors, you know, and, and, you know, every other day we had, you know, lunch or whatever, but so that kind of conditioning when you're young, when you grow up, like at 14, I started working. Like there's no, there's no handouts, man. There's no, there's no, I'm relying on stuff to take care of me. There's not even a thought of my parents are paying for school. Like none of that is in my mind. It's I need to go make it work. My parents have already sacrificed everything. They gave up their friends. They gave up their family. They gave up their church. They gave up everything they knew in a country, you know, that where they were raised and born. They gave all that up to pursue a better life for their kids. So then I felt completely responsible from the age of like 12 to say, I need to pay it back. And I just did. I, I went to work, man. I got a newspaper job. And, you know, at the age of 11 or 12, I was doing the penny saver, making $5 a week. And I remember all my brothers and sisters would help me bundle the papers on Saturday so I could deliver them on Sunday for five bucks a week, man. And I, we would go and blow the money at the, at the candy store or the arcade or whatever. But it taught me the value of you need to go make that $5 every week. And I did that job for years. I finally, you know, went to A&P back in the day, which is now Metro, and started pushing buggies and anything I could do to get a job, right? And I started doing that for, for, for a while. And they finally upgraded me. So I, I knew to be polite. I, I grew up with the right manners and the right influence to be polite, but also to go and work hard and push for what I wanted. And I wasn't always the best student. Like I struggled in school because I was going to be a musician. I wasn't going to be in business. And I even went to university for a couple of years. And I eventually just said, you know what? This is not taking where I need to go. I need to make more money. I need to help more people. I need to do bigger things. I literally just dropped out of school one day and just said, that's it. I'm going to go work. And dude, the only thing I knew how to do was clean. That's what my parents did growing up was clean. Janitorial, vacuuming. And that's where I started. Cleaning carpets, cleaning floors cleaning windows. And eventually I built a small little cleaning business, you know, just a, a small little thing. And slowly, 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 I started reading about real estate and investing. And I bought my first duplex at 21 years old and I got vendor take back financing. And I went through all kinds of courses and I spent all the money that I had on trying to get better and smarter every day, because I realized that some people in life were way wealthier than, than my family was. And the only way my family was ever going to catch up was if I put the pedal to the metal and I was willing to, you know, not hang out with people. Dude, I didn't, I didn't get drunk in high school and hang out with people all day. And I didn't like, I just, I didn't do that stuff. Right. And I screwed up and did some stupid things, but it wasn't, 
it wasn't part of my life. I didn't screw around with girls. I didn't, I didn't mess around, dude. I just, I just took life maybe more seriously than other people. So from 21 to the age of almost, you know, 30, I grinded every day. That's it. I got married at 23. My wife is also Romanian. And beautiful story is that she stayed in Romania. The communism fell. They shot the president, killed him. And her family actually won the visa lottery to the United States. And she got a fast track green card. And that's how her family ended up in the U.S. I was in Canada. We connected. We got married. And we were born an hour away from each other back in Romania, which is an amazing wow. story. And we moved an hour away from each other across the world. So we got married at 23. Both of us had Romanian parents saving money. We basically lived in a duplex three, four years, bought another duplex and the third duplex, saved my money, learned how to become financially responsible with money. And then over time, we bought more and more and more. And I became the largest buyer of houses in my area. I started a mortgage company. So when you see all this cool stuff, dude, this is 10, 12 years in the making. You know, I had a goal to become a millionaire at 30 and I did it just before my 31st birthday. And as a result, dude, I did the things I really wanted to do, which I was able to retire my mom, you know, cause she, she's been working so hard and so long. I was able to retire her a couple of years ago and provide for her and my family. I was able to help my parents move into a, a newer house. And uh, recently I did one of the things I'm most proud of, which is I took my parents on a um, very luxurious, all expenses paid vacation, where I just got to spend time with them for a few days and just got to know them. No phone calls, no distractions, just finally saying, we're finally both adults. I finally am in a position to help and serve. And I just want to say thank you. So we were able to spend time and I learned all of my heritage and everything. So that was the most incredible moment for me was being able to spend time with them. So my message is simple. I don't care where you come from. It doesn't matter. As bad as your story is, somebody in this world has it worse. As bad as my story from communism is, somebody else has it worse. We can't focus on where we started. The only thing we can focus on is where we end up in life. And that is 100% within your control. You either, you, you either fight and get there or you die trying. But giving up is never an option for me. And I think that's where the motivation comes from because I'm just not going to accept the excuses. I'm not going to be a victim. You, you know what's amazing to me right now with everybody being afraid and COVID and all this stuff and everybody sitting at home, I call my parents, how are you guys doing? We're awesome. We're so thankful. This is the best moment in our lives. We get to spend time with our children. We get to spend time with each other. Everybody's at home. My mom is cooking. My mom is hanging out, being on phone calls with kids and grandkids. and all. She loves it right now. She's like, what a blessing to be able to spend time with children because we've been running around for the last 10 years or 20 years in Canada working and this and the other thing. And she finally made time for herself and her children. So my, the two people that are most influential in my life are people who have zero fear of COVID because they have tons of faith in God. And for them, it's a matter of, you know what? It's out of our control anyways. If God's going to terminate the planet, he's going to do it anyways. But that's up to him, not up to us. What are we so concerned about? We're wasting the time we have focusing on the things we can't control. So my point is focus on the things you can control. And when you do that, your life becomes infinitely better. But until you, until you make that decision, you're living in somebody else's reality and you're creating your own oppression and you're creating your own communism. So dude, no communism for me. In fact, I'm putting all this stuff together. I'm putting a book together right now and uh, I'll be sharing it with the world here soon. But, but that's my point. That's my message in life is, 
when you look at me, you're either going to get offended or excited, or maybe you're indifferent. But if you get excited, it's because you've got that internal potential that you still need to tap. And if you get offended, it's because my messaging, my attitude, you know, the things that I've done, it helps, it forces you to recognize and your own conviction, and maybe you're dissatisfied where you're at in life. And that's, that's hard reality to face, but until you face it, you're always going to be dissatisfied. Whether it's me, Grant Cardone, or anybody else out there doing stuff, you're going to be looking at people and you're going to be blaming instead of looking at people and saying, I can do this too. Mm-hmm. You have no excuse, man. 80-20 rule of life. You live in Canada, you are the 20% of the world. You, whether you realize it or not, as bad as you have it, somebody else has it worse. So, right. you know, I'm a tough love kind of guy and a lot of people need to grow up. Need to grow up and accept the reality and accept that it's your control. It's totally up to you if you're wealthy. It's totally up to you if you're happy. And if you're in a bad situation right now, financially, emotionally, physically, whatever, do something. Even if it doesn't get better, do something. Fight. I don't care if your legs are broken. Do something. Fight for what you believe in. Don't just accept it, man, because it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth dying and dying through misery. If I'm going to die, I'm going to go down swinging. I love it, man. I love it. Like, this is just, this is just incredible. Like, and so, you know, I go by the seven two, just like, you know, the humble and that's, that's, that's your reminder, right? Your daily reminder. Um, and so the seven two is like the worst hand you can ever get in poker. And they tell you in poker, you get a seven two, you got to fold your card. So I always believe in like, you can't control the hands you're dealt, but you can control how you're going to play that hand. Dude, the number of seven twos that have come your way and you, you your dad could have folded. Your dad could have done this. Your mom could have done this. I mean, you've left out so much about your story. I mean, you talk about how you almost died in a refugee camp. You talk about all the, you know, we've had some good, good conversations, man, but you never gave up. And that, that's, that's so true because I, I, I'm fearful for our children. I really am fearful because everything is going to be okay. Don't worry. You're going to hurt them. If No, there's a strong sense of reality. I remember my dad, my dad, I mean, I came from school of hard knocks with my dad. And I remember going to high school. It was a real posh high school. I lived in the hood. In the, somewhat of a hood in Edmonton, if you want to call that. And I used to take the public transport probably an hour and a half just to get to this prep school. And there's sons and daughters of judges and lawyers and all this kind of shit. And they're driving like beautiful cars. This is back in like 1993. They're driving Beamers, Mercedes, whatever. And I told my dad, hey, I want that. I want that. And he goes, oh, so you want to be fed with a silver spoon? I'm like, 100%. He goes, great. Go to the fucking kitchen, open a fucking drawer and pick up your own damn silver spoon. And guess what? It's going to taste better. You may not realize it now, but when you're older, it's the best advice. And that's, that's the thing that scares me a lot now about this new mentality is everybody has their hand up, but they don't want to give back. They don't want to work for it. And, you know, I think and I just love the fact that you're out there and you're talking about this because these, this is the kind of message I'm trying to get across to everybody is that you're in control of your own destiny. No one else is, right? That's what it comes down to. I mean, you had options and you could have chose the easy road and you never did. And it just goes to, you know, Here's a great example. Look, we're dealing with COVID-19 or even before that. I mean, let's talk about the real estate side. I mean, you didn't sit there and take your ball home. You made pivots in the marketplace. You made pivots. People aren't pivoting right now. They're scared shitless. Oh, people aren't going to pay my rent. People are going to defer my mortgage. Or they can make simple pivots. So let's talk about COVID-19. You know, what are your thoughts on that? But as an investor, like you said, who gives a shit it? Or should we take our ball home? (laughs) Right? So tell us. You know what? Mark, some people should take their ball and go home. Some people aren't built for this. A lot of people who got into real estate investing 
because the market's been a bullish market. It's been going up for 10 years. They don't know what it means to be a business owner in the investing space. Like whether you realize it or not, you're a business owner. Mm -hmm. To be an investor, a lot of people, an investor is a passive term where it's like, I put my money in and it makes a whole bunch of money and we're living in this fairyland that doesn't actually exist. You're a business owner. You're in the business of taking a dollar and converting it into two. You're in the business of growing capital. You're in the business of, of investing other people's capital into deal or your own capital into real estate deals using real estate as a vehicle. You're not in real estate. Real estate's just the vehicle. So some people, they're not cut for this. And right now we're finding out when the tide goes out, how many people are sitting there butt naked, even though they talk about being fully clothed. So the truth is we got to toughen up, all right? You're either going to be a proactive business owner or don't be a business owner. Everybody who's reactive and sitting here like, ah, I'm not collecting my rents, do something about it. I've got a buddy with 3,600 doors and he's like, I'm being proactive. I'm sending letters. I'm talking to people. I will call all 3,600 tenants to make sure they're all right. I will give them resources. I'll, I'll help them understand their rights and, and abilities. I'll also help them understand, like if we're not going to be proactive, responsible owners. See, it comes down to ultimate responsibility. A real business owner and a person who's pushing towards personal development is a person who becomes responsible for everything around them. COVID-19 happens, my fault. It's literally my fault. That's how I treat it. So I need to take action and do whatever I can to keep my business growing, keep my family safe and happy, you know, and to keep the revenue coming. And if I'm not focusing on the revenue, listen, too many people are focused on everything but the right thing. So many people are focused on being busy instead of making money. You need revenue. You need cash. You know, the $200 of cash flow you have from that duplex is not helping you right now. You need cash. So if you're, if you're sitting on the fence and you're, people fall in love with real estate, man, they fall in love with the emotional side. I own a duplex, sell it, get out. If you can't be a, if you can't handle it, but what's going to happen is people, the transfer of wealth occurs right now. The people have been playing too close to the edge. The people who have no pivoting or no willingness to change their mindset about investing or, or business are going to get stuck. We live in the highest debt nation, one of the highest ones in the world, the dollar 80 of debt for every dollar of income. It's ridiculous to me, but people have set themselves up for failure. They've been living on the edge for so long. It took one, two week or three week break from your job to put you over the edge. And now you're in the negative. You're in the red zone. You've been living on borrowed time. You've been living on borrowed money. You've been living on other people's money because you don't know how to create wealth. And that's the reality, folks. Mm -hmm. It's tough love, but it's the reality of business, okay? So, like, you might need to consider getting out. The market's come up a lot in 10 years. If you can't handle the, the fact that it's dipping down and you're losing some equity, then you probably shouldn't be in the game. Get out. You're still ahead. See, a lot of people are still ahead. It's easy to complain, but if you bought a house for a hundred grand, or let's say you're, you know, in the GTA, you bought a house for 600,000, it's worth 800 today, pull the trigger and get out for seven. You're still $200,000 ahead. See, but what we try to do, Mark, is we try to have our cake and eat it too. Uh, I want to have all the equity in the world, but I don't want to deal with the market fluctuations. You decided to be in business the moment you bought that piece of property. And guess what? Business goes up, down, and sideways. So as a real estate investor, I don't have a lot of, a lot of uh, like remorse or empathy for you. I have more empathy for people in the food service industry and other industries where truly the food will go bad. The business is closed. They have no possibility of making money. Real estate investors, well, like people think it's risky. It is the least risky business of all because you're Absolutely. getting into value, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Buying a piece of real estate that you're converting cash into equity. And the truth is that you can sell this piece of real estate and get your cash back out. You might lose some money in the process, 
but you can still get the intrinsic value back out of the deal. Mm -hmm. Dude, if you own a fruit stand and nobody can come to your fruit stand, there's nothing there for you. All your fruit is gone. So as real estate investors, we have to understand, number one, the market cycles happen. But if you, didn't, if you don't remember 2008 or you weren't in business in 08, now you're going to have your 08. You got to realize every 10 years or so, you're going to go through an 08. And what happens is people have horrible memories. They forget what happened in 08. So what happens is they get very fearful and then everybody starts buying. They get a little bit more, more confident, more confident. Confidence turns to greed. Greed, greed turns into more greed. And then more greed turns into, into stupidity. You've been paying way too much for real estate. You've been getting in bidding wars. You've been following every other investor thinking real estate is hot. And then as a result, it goes over the edge or COVID happens and now you're sitting on properties maybe you won't be able to sell in a few months from now. So sell them now. Like, like, my point is you're following everybody else. Yeah. I'm not following anybody. I'm doing me. You know, I, I'm in the economy, economy of one. I do me. So I saw the market go up and I saw people getting very greedy. I saw the MLS is a bidding war. I saw that people were buying deals they can't really afford. I saw that people were going cash no conditions. And as soon as I see that stuff, I go, there's way too much greed on the streets. So guess what I did, Mark? I pulled the trigger and I sold my real estate. Did I know COVID was gonna happen? Not at all. Did I know the market was gonna, not at all. And maybe it doesn't go down. Maybe it keeps going up, man. But I'm not about predictions, I'm about preparation. And I'll watch the mass majority of people see what they're doing. And if they get greedy, I get fearful and I'm running the other way. Sell, I'm doing this now. When they're afraid, and if the market does come the other way, nobody knows if it will, but let's assume it does, everybody will run away from real estate. Guess where I'm gonna go? Right back in. I did this in 08, aggressively, and 08 made me a millionaire. The truth is, folks, we're looking to everybody else for answers instead of using common sense. And the reason we don't have common sense and why it's not common is because we don't focus on personal development. We don't read. We don't understand what we're doing. We don't focus on getting better at our craft. We don't have skills. You know, I can't pick up the phone and, and, and negotiate my own deal. So I have to go through an agent to negotiate the deal, right? A lot of us are looking for shortcuts. If you're in the business of real estate, you need to build skills. You got to know your market inside out. You got to know how to negotiate deals. You got to know how to raise capital. You got to know how to manage properties, manage tenants, manage your business. If you can't do that stuff, it's time to go to school. And if you need a school, I'll give you one. Mark's wearing it. Cash flow tribe. Absolutely. Get around Absolutely. people that actually know what they're doing. Get around people that actually know what's going on. And yeah. some of us, we just need to get in the right rooms in the right environments. So I love that you're repping cash flow tribe. Well, uh, this is my life, man. I, I, this, is, this, this is my crest right here, man. I, I, this is my hat, you know, because, you know, it, it's, it's funny because you got you to get in that room and there's so much power. It's not value. It's power in having, being part of a, a room, getting that mentorship, focusing on self-development because all this shit's happening behind me and I'm like, fuck you, job. You know, I don't have to worry about this. I mean, I look at our mastermind, you know, within Cashflow Tribe and what you and Matt have said, you guys, it's almost like you guys had a crystal ball, but it was purposely planned from you guys' own experience. Two months ago when shit was coming down, you're telling us what to do. You got to have cash. This is what you got to do because it's what the banks are going to do because you have that experience and it's happening. It's all happening. And I it's like, you, I told you guys two months ago, I was like, yeah. listen, right now you need to take your lines of credit, take your cash, raise as much cash as possible and take your money out the line of credit and move it into cash. Yeah. Well, what happens now? The bank starts tightening their policy. 
Dude, the bank can come in at any point and take your line of credit away. People don't realize this. You think because you got approval, it's going to be there. They change one regulation or they change the interest rate, and all of a sudden you don't qualify for the line of credit that you had. Your HELOC becomes a, an unavailable HELOC or it gets temporarily you know, closed or half, cut in half. You don't have access to it. It's not your money. So in times of scarcity right now, you need to run to cash. You will need cash. And the truth is the best deals will come out during economic issues. When people are scared, that's when the deals float to the surface. Right. When there's panic and blood in the streets, that's when people get scared and run away from real estate and the deals will come up. I'm talking investors, sellers, all kinds of people are going to be getting out the game. Landlords don't want to deal with the fact that Ontario is basically shut down and they can't evict tenants. So if you've got bad tenants because you didn't do a good job managing your buildings, well, now you're probably thinking, how do I pull the trigger and get out of this thing and still preserve the you know, the equity that I've built up in this property and take advantage of the appreciation in the market. So landlords are going to be struggling. Yep. Not all of them. You see, there's an 80-20 rule and the 20% of landlords that crush this business will be buying from the other 80% that don't really know what they're doing. And they're not prepared. They don't have cash reserves. If you can't go a month or two months without collecting rent, you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. You really are. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the reality is you shouldn't be in the business, mm -hmm. right? So I'm just, I'm giving it to you hard and some of you might get annoyed with this message, but some of you will, will hear the message, not let it hit your ego and do something about it. And I'm hoping that it helps you come out of this situation stronger than how we went into it. You know what? And this is the time we have to double down and it's not even just double down having cash available for investments and that kind of stuff. This is the time we need to get a coach that's been through these times. So you don't have to figure it out yourself and make costly mistakes because you could be that one that has been running like a business, but go out and seek a mentor that's been there and then you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Someone's going to walk you through this. There's a, there's a system there. There's experience. If, you know, we talk about other people's money all the time. What about OPE? Other people's experience, OPK, other people's knowledge. That's what you're basically buying. Yep. And yep. I think, and I think once people just, they get all the stuff happens. It's like, they, they, like, uh, you know, Chris Rude, we had a, our, our workshop this weekend. He's saying so many people will, you know, spend money on a business, but they won't spend a dime on how to run that business, mm -hmm. um, which is incredible. And I think this is a great segue. I mean, especially with the Cashflow Tribe hat I'm wearing is, you know, you, 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 you and Matt, I mean, you guys, Matt McKeever, you guys came together. You guys didn't need to come up with Cashflow Tribe. You didn't have to do this. You're a busy man yourself. You've worked your ass off. Matt's worked his ass off. And you guys forged, you know, forces together and you created Cashflow Tribe. So why would you do that, Ben? Why would Matt do that? Hmm. I think, so the best answer is when you get to a certain point, you realize that you need to do the rest of it with people. You can, might be able to make a hundred grand on your own, maybe a million bucks on your own. You're not making a hundred million dollars by yourself. The best way to make money in life is to help enough other people make money, build real relationships with people. So I recognize in being in a mastermind that I joined is a $50,000 a year mastermind. And I realized the power of strategic alliances and allies. So we created a tribe to create an environment for Canadians where people can show up, be in a positive community of supportive investors, where everybody's pushing for results. And as, as you know, in doing that, some people become rock stars. And I wanna know the people before they become rock stars. And I wanna invest in people now before they become rock stars. And I wanna help people get there. So it's many different reasons. I love seeing people grow. I, you know, coming from where I come from, I hate, you know, I hate when people get pushed down or oppressed or bullied or whatever. So I wanna create a safe space for investors to just come together. 
I learned from my mentor that if you can't find friends, go create them and go buy them. When I put people in a room and I create an, an organization, I get to set the tone. I set the core values. I set my intentions. I set the positivity. I set the energy. I set all that stuff. And people who come into that world, they're now going to be my friends and I'm going to be able to connect with them at such a higher level because they're already coming in with the right expectation and the right intentions. I don't want to join somebody else's network of negativity and comparison and how many doors do you have? Nobody cares. I don't want to join somebody else's organization that's been mismanaged. I want to create one with the right intentions and core values and aligning with that allowed us to do that. Allowed us to find great people, connect with them. And now those people are my friends. Those people are my network. They talk about your network is your net worth. Truly the people you know, it's who you know, not what you know. Because whatever I don't know, I can lean on somebody that I know. So I got to know the guy and know the girl who is the accountant, the investor, the multifamily expert, the lending person, the person who's the Chatham person or the Windsor person, the Trump. Like you have to know people if you want to be in business. The idea of doing everything yourself as a hermit, you're going to be wearing every hat. You'll never scale your operation. You never truly create wealth. So I believe in helping and serving other people. And what happens is the law of reciprocity keeps coming back. Will I make more money? I'll make more money because I help a lot of people make money. If I can create a hundred millionaires, what is that going to do for me at the end of the day? So yeah, for those people that are skeptical, yeah, you do it for yourself. You do it for your intentions. You take care of me. But I recognize that the best way to take care of me is to take care of and invest in other people. Relationships over transactions. It matters. It matters a lot. And if you don't believe me, you obviously don't know enough high-end individuals, high-end net worth individuals. All the high net worth people that I know, know other high net worth people. They have masterminds, they create events, they do things, they get to know people because they need to know the people who are going to be doing, you know, successfully, you know, doing business and, and, and getting stuff off the ground. So I want to know who the winners are because I like surrounding myself with winners. My competitive nature comes out. I like to work with people. I like to, I like to keep growing and keep pushing. See, it makes you push better when you have other people in your area. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, I don't want to be surrounded by people who are complaining, negative, whatever. So if I can't find that in my life, I'm going to go create an environment where that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that's what we, that's why we put it together. And it's right. been amazing getting to know you and a whole bunch of other people as you're building your wealth and your, your journey. And it's so cool to watch that and be a part of the journey. I want to be a part of people's stories so that right. 20 years from now, I say, yeah, humble was my mentor. Like that right. feels amazing right. to me. You know, I was yeah. a part of people's journeys. Right. Awesome. It's funny. Zara just came in here and she brought me my, my water here. So that's part of the mentorship. It's, yeah, it's the holistic approach, right? Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. But the other thing is, well, and I've taken a lot of your time and you're, you're a busy man. So I'm going to get right to like the last question I'd like to ask. And it's twofold, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin this a bit because, okay, so I'm trying to, you know, find the right way to ask this. You shared something with us in our mastermind of what you envision, what, what, what legacy you want to leave behind this, and it's about building something. What is it? Yeah, so I, I believe for me, as my impact piece, one of the greatest things I've ever done as, a, as an investor is join a mastermind where I was able to um, be at an event for our, our, our mentor's birthday, and we were able to raise $152,000 for Haiti. And we're able to build three quarters of a village. And that to me was so significant as a business owner. I recognized that I didn't have to go and try to fix the world on my own. I could partner with people 
you know, help other people create wealth, and then we could go change the world together and fight oppression. So my goal for Cash Flow Tribe is that enough people become successful when we start building other tribes. I want tribe to build the tribe. I'd love to go and support the, the charity that I'm part of, Caring House Project, that builds these spec homes in places like Haiti because it's so important. And I really value that about strong leaders like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Linda Gaines Foundation about being willing to take on the world's problems and being ultimately responsible for things all the way across the world. So that's my push. My push is really to go and invest in communities because we've been able to invest in ourselves and take all the abundance that we have and, 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 and plug it in over there. So I'd love to help Mark Duty. I'd like to help you make a million dollars because you don't need it. After you have a car and a house and whatever else, you're gonna run out of things to buy. And the only thing that's gonna give you satisfaction is helping other people. You see, once you reach Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you get the self-actualization and you have all the stuff that you want, the most important thing is helping other people get what they want. Food, shelter, you know, and, and confidence. So that to me is my, my whole push here. I wanna invest, inspire, and motivate people to better their lives, to create wealth, and then I'm going to inspire those people to give that wealth away and help other people and then start the cycle all over again. So one kid from communism can change the world. And, I'm, and, and I know for a fact that somebody will get inspired and they'll do bigger things than I'll ever do. And I'm, I would love to get to know that person at some point. So I want to keep pushing the positivity. I think we have an obligation to pay it forward. We can't take the stuff with us when we die. Right. So what are we doing on this earth that's significant, that's beyond our own, our own needs and desires? But I believe you got to be selfish today, invest in yourself today, invest in your business, your wealth, and your family today, create stability so that you can go and invest in a lot of other people's lives. That truly is how we change the world because somebody has to pay for this stuff. Somebody's got to pay for the water, pay for the housing, pay for the bricks on the property. Somebody has to pay to rebuild. It takes real dollars, which means yeah. it takes real commitment, which means it takes real responsibility. So that's my whole vision, man, is it's not, it's not for money. I can make money on my own, right? Mm -hmm. I'm good with money. Mm -hmm. I do it because I love it. I love seeing people grow. I love the long-term impact that we have. And, and I really love the idea of being able to invest in other communities around the world uh, that weren't dealt the same kind of amazing, blessed hand that we were dealt here in Canada. So that, that really is my bigger mission, is to go and inspire and push people. And then that, that drives me to keep doing more for myself too. So it's I love amazing. It, man. And, that, and yeah. that just drives me, man. I, I take it, I mean, I love being challenged. So yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm the next domino to fall and I wanna go you know, 100 times fold, right? I mean, that's just the way, that's the way I roll. So, um, okay, the last question, the tombstone question. Have you heard of the tombstone question before? No. So the tombstone question is, is that when the day we meet the maker, what do you envision on your tombstone? What are your loved ones, the ones you made impact? What, what's going to be on your tombstone? Mm. So I, I think on my tombstone, man, when I'm at that point in life or, or death or whatever, it's going to be um, this guy lived his maximum potential. You know, whatever that means, impacting people, helping, growing, investing back in my community, going back to do whatever, like, lived life to its fullest potential, pushing harder every day. I want them to run out of space on that thing for all the things that were accomplished or done in life for other people. I love that, man. That's the most brilliant answer I've heard. I love it. I want to run out of space. I want to have every person I've ever impacted on that tombstone. And those names will be greater than whatever I buy and whatever I own over here. I'd love to see the, 
tens, thousands, or hundreds of thousands of names of people that have been positively impacted by, by my life and my message. That's what I want on there. Well, my man, you got me and Zara on that right there. And I can tell you there's 100,000 other people too. Love it. Thank you, man. This has just been just amazing. Really appreciate life, that. Man. It's all life, my brother. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of yours and, and I'm happy you're a part of mine. And, you know, I, I have a goal, you know, my kind of immediate goal is to help 100 people quit the rat race, get out of, get out of the nine to five. And I know that now you're one of them and mm-hmm. you just quit your job recently, which for me is amazing. And I, we're at, we're at three or four people already in the last couple of months that have quit their job as part of, part of this initiative. And I'd love to help a hundred people get to that goal. That's my immediate plan. So, you know, if there's any way I can help people, help folks reach out, you know, I'm, I love talking to people, love helping people. So dude, such a blessing, man. You've been a blessing in my life just as much as Thanks, you know, I've been a blessing to yours. So absolutely. Motivation absolutely. And just, just keep pushing, man. So, in closing, I want to mention that you have this amazing show every day, mm-hmm. you know, the daily show and uh, the amazing guests that you have on. So, I mean, where can people get on that? Because I think if they're not, they don't know about it, they're missing it. They, they're, they're missing out. I mean, that's the reality. This, you're having your mentors on there. I mean, you're giving value. So yeah. it's every day I- at what time? Yeah, every day at five o'clock, it's the data and drama show Monday through Friday. It's over on my Facebook business page at Ben Mearson. Go check it out. I'm trying to inspire people. I'm trying to share my Rolodex. I'm trying to bring people of really high caliber in that can, can give some perspective over what's going on. And, you know, we cover, you know, how to position yourself financially, how to work on your mindset, how to work on your body and how to work on your spirit. So mind, body, spirit and relationships. Those are my big pushes. You know, it's really just meant to help people every day, give them very useful information in a time of scarcity and a time of confusion. So come get some confidence. We can help you get some confidence. That's what the show is all about. So I'd love to have you folks on. So every day, five o'clock. Awesome. So I'll make sure I add that link to the show notes so people can just click on it, off they go. So that's awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much, man. This has been a very humbling experience. So thank you. Um, And yeah, God bless, my friend. Thank you, man. God bless you.